Hi, welcome to this episode of Author Eke. I'm Travis Davis, your host. Tell us your story. Yeah, always, always. Um, yeah, I'm Kyle Mills. I have written 23 thriller novels with Code Red being the 23rd. It'll be out uh, September 12th. Um, I wrote a bunch for myself, kind of under my own name. And then I wrote three for Robert Ludlum. And then when uh, Vince passed away, uh, his family asked me to continue the series. So I've now written nine of those. Yeah, that they're all a little different. I always try to do something a little different in all my books. So um, it's hard to compare them, but certainly the first one was really difficult uh, because you know, I had all these expectations. I didn't know if people would want me to write the books, if they wanted the series continued after Vince's death. So that one was weird because I had to just write it and put it out there. And, you know, people could have reacted really negatively. They could have reacted positively. I had no idea what they were going to do. And, you know, the reaction was really positive. So, um, you know, I continued on with it, but, uh, yeah, they, I mean, I think I have things I like about some of the, you know, a lot of the different ones, but I, I feel like nobody's ever read the same book, you know, so some of the ones I like, other people don't like, some of the ones that I thought were weaker that people love. So it's kind of a strange thing with books. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's been, uh, it's been great. You know, his fans have been really great and really welcoming to me. And I mean, I've been doing it for 10 years, I think. I've written nine. I think Vince wrote 14. So this one's my last one. But I mean, if I'd have continued on, it wouldn't have been too long before I overtook him. Wow. That's pretty good. You're a lot faster than me. You're a lot faster than I am. Yeah. Yeah, I love doing that stuff. And a lot of times it really helps you write the book because you, know, you can't think, well, how would this happen? And then you start researching it and you figure out, well, this is really how it would happen. So, um, or, you know, same thing with settings. You know, I love to go to places I write about so that 
I don't have to guess, you know, you, what it smells like, what it feels like. Yeah, it's good. This was a hard one too, because I, I blew an opportunity back in like, was it 2010? My wife and I were supposed to go drive around Syria for a couple of weeks. And uh, I got really busy. And so we said, well, we're just going to postpone it a couple of years because, you know, why not? I mean, Syria is the most stable country in the Middle East. What could possibly happen? And then a year later, civil war. So, uh, you know, good, good lesson, you know, don't, don't wait, don't procrastinate. Yeah, absolutely. So I had to write this book about a place that I had not been, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it was just in the news, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I was really interested. I'm really interested in asymmetrical warfare and Russia's being pretty effective at using it. So I wanted to think up a weapon they could use they hadn't used before. And, you know, with all the narcotics and, and all the problems, the drug problems they have in the West now, uh, I thought, they could engineer a really destructive drug. I mean, I mean, fentanyl's destructive enough just on, you know, by accident on its own. But if you really engineered something to be destructive, it would be a super interesting weapon to deploy. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I wrote a book about this. I wrote a book about it, a, an invasion of Ukraine, a Mitrap book, a few years before it happened. And it was really interesting. I did a lot of research on the Russian military and honestly came to the conclusion that it wasn't all that good. And I, I had the Ukrainians doing, you know, and, and they also invaded the Baltics them doing pretty well against them, that the Russians were not as well equipped and well organized and, and well motivated as everybody thought they were. And that seems to have planned, it played out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Well, and they're all really, the army, based on my research also, was extraordinarily corrupt. So all the commanders would get, you know, a bunch of equipment, they just sell it and put it in their bank account in Switzerland or something. So it was just, it's, it really is, they have a, a terrible uh, uh, program of hazing. Uh, nobody wants to be in it. So all those mid-level uh, non-commissioned officers kind of don't exist there. And they're the people that hold the military together, you know? And so there's this hole in there. Yeah, it's it's not a great setup. And uh, it was super interesting to write about because, you know, we kind of still, I think the West still holds this Soviet myth of that they're this incredible fighting force. But really, they have an economy about the size of Texas, you know, used to. Now their economy is trashed. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. So it's set in Syria and it's about, it kind of, a guy comes out of Mitch's past that he owes a favor to, who's actually a huge organized criminal and, uh, is having, yeah, he's having problems with his, uh, with, with his operation and in, in the, because of competition from Syria and the Middle East. And he doesn't have any people that know anything about that. So he figures Mitch is an expert, speaks the language, knows the territory and sends him in there um, to basically help him with his, his business. And, uh, Mitch, it kind of has to do it because he owes the, he told the guy he owed him and he's honor bound to do it. So he's on his own, no CIA, no friends, no nothing. He has to go in there and he's basically operating as a Norman, uh, you know, as a representative of this cartel. And then he finds out the problems of this guy's problems go much deeper and actually go all the way back to Moscow. And uh, he has to convince the CIA that this is something they need to be involved in and to back him. In this book, you know, they're, they're quite the belligerent, you know, player. They, they, I feel like the Russians, they kind of play to make everybody lose as opposed to playing to win. So it's kind of interesting and mentality to think about and to write about. And uh, yeah, I write listening to music too. I can't, if it was dead silent, I think it'd be really weird. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. The, uh, I, yeah, I, um, nothing fancy. I mean, I kind of write till I get tired. So it depends. Well, when I'm writing, I write one chapter a day, but uh, I write really out elaborate, elaborate outlines. So uh, if I'm writing an outline, I write until I run out of ideas for the day, which usually happens, you know. So I, you can tell when it's about to happen. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of people don't like to outline. So uh, Vince didn't.
Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you, yeah, like all the, you know, just the timelines really are super difficult. If you have multiple characters and multiple time zones and everything and what has to happen when do people have to figure things out and it can get really complicated, but you know, some people, even Tom Clancy didn't really outline, but he managed to keep all that stuff in his head and I couldn't. Yeah. 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 I'm working on a, I had had a, a character long ago I had written about and named fade and, uh, I'd always wanted to revisit him. So he was just a really weird and interesting character. He's a former Navy SEAL, but he's kind of nuts. And, he was pretty much suicidal in this book. In the end, he gets shot, uh, which is what he wanted to happen the whole time, but nobody seems to be able to get him. And uh, in my mind, he was dead when I wrote the book. But then later, I kind of thinking he was, maybe he's in a coma and maybe he's going to come back one day. And I've been thinking about it for like 10 years, writing notes occasionally. And now I'm finally going to bring him back. Yeah, yeah, he's going to come out of his coma finally. And his story didn't feel finished. And readers freaked out when I killed him at the end. And like, oh, I wanted to read a bunch more about books about this guy. I'm like, oh, sorry, he's dead. Um, well, it's kind of, he does actually. Yeah, he's like, let me get this straight. I don't know. I might write nonfiction, actually. I really like to read nonfiction and I have a lot of like really diverse interests, science and history and stuff like that. So I think it'd be really fun to pick a topic that you're really interested in and then have an excuse to spend a year diving into it. that'd be super interesting i mean it was it's such a like world war one and world, both the world wars uh are just so unbelievably grand in what was going on i was uh, a couple of years ago i went to normandy and like it's just hard to imagine the scale of something like that. Yeah.
Yeah. I just like to learn things. I think, I don't know if I'd call myself a history buff, but it plays into a lot of my books. So I get an excuse to sit around and dig into it and think about that. I mean, my background's in economics. So, I mean, it's kind of a similar thing in the sense of you're trying to figure out if this, this, and this happens, what will be the result of that? You know, what, what motivates people to do the things they do and stuff. So I think that's, I take that, into my writing quite a bit of like, if, you know, I'll set up a scenario and then think about realistically, what would happen if this scenario occurred? You know, I wrote a book about a big power outage, you know, that they took out the power grid in the United States and it was very much that, okay, like this happens, what happens? I mean, how long does it take for your water to go out? How long does it take for this to happen? And what would then occur? What would people do? So, um, I think that's one of the fun things about writing a novel. I think that's great, though. I mean, I think, you know, a lot of people never, hard, you know, once they get to our age, they never learn anything new. And that's, I think that's terrible. And we're talking late 70s, early 80s, you didn't. And we start talking. I said, were you there with your Killy Laurel? Take it home. Well, no, but a funny story is I was one trip uh, on the trip with that. After, after that. I go, well, there's you. I had Buddy and Rocky, his dad, who loved me, said he was around the oil, way up in the high drinking nurse along the oil. Was on the Killy Laurel, stopped the floor and was hijacked, and he was told to get out of the car. Interesting. See, there's a good there's a good start to a novel. I know. What if you didn't get off? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that, you know, the counter counter history I just gave. Yeah. That that is so uh you're researching but where you're at, that's research from us. No, I live here. Yeah, yeah. So. Oh yeah. All right. Well, because you, you live in Texas, right? So that you got to. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's interesting, though, because you lived here during the dictatorship. 
Yeah, Franco, yeah. The Spanish do like, they like to eat and drink for sure. You could, I, yeah, I think you can just, you could just stand outside your door with a thing of wine and some ham and, and people would just come in. <laughs> Why not? Well, we live in Granada, so we love, we do love it here. It's in the mountains about an, it's, you can get to the coast in less than an hour. But uh, it's up in the mountains. And I also live in Wyoming, so I'm kind of a mountain guy. And uh, yeah, it's a beautiful city with a huge old Arab fortress. It was the last city to be taken back by the Catholics back in 1492. So it's very Arab influenced, you know, a lot of Arab architecture. Um, I used to live in a 500 year old house that still had all the Arab, Arabic writing in the doorways and stuff. It's super really cool. Yeah, it's a, in, until it got cold and you didn't have any heat, but um, not really. It's a really old house. <laughs> um, so, well, fortunately, it's too cold here usually. But, um, but yeah, so we travel around a little bit, but uh, mostly here in Granada. So, um, oh yeah, where'd you go? Oh yeah, yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. No, it's it's pretty impressive, yeah. Yeah, you can see it like forever driving up that road. Oh yeah. Oh it was hot. Yeah. Oh cool. That's a fun trip. Yep, September 12th, yeah. Yeah, I'll do a tour. Um, yeah, I'll be at Poison Pen in uh, Arizona, and uh, I'm going to go to Minnesota as well, uh, which is Vince's hometown, Once Upon a Crime, and Larkin Owl in Texas, which is in Georgia. Um, Texas, not Georgia the state, Georgia, Texas, near Austin. Um, and... Uh, Exactly. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit those. So I'll be flying back here pretty soon and and do the do the rounds and then uh, and then come back. So hopefully people can can show up and you know I'm actually gonna be touring with Don Bentley, who's the guy who's taking over uh, the Mitrap thing after me, the Mitrap series after me. So yeah, and he writes for Tom Clancy. So um, should be an interesting conversation. You could ask him about. You know where he's going to take it because I don't know, and uh, and how he felt about writing for the Clancy stuff, and he's a, he's a really interesting guy. No, no, Don's a big fan of the series, so he's read them all. And he knows he knows where he wants to take it, so. You know, it was time for me to, you know, if you're going to give it up, you got to give it up. And so I've handed it off to him and we, we chat about it every now and then, but um, I honestly don't know exactly where he's going with it. I haven't asked him about that. So 
maybe when we're out traveling together, I'll find out. Yeah, that'll work. That'll work. Thank you. Well, thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Author Eke. There'll be another episode next week. Please stop by and start your own story. We can't wait to hear it.